What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 102 of the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This is a Monday rundown on a Tuesday. Hope you guys enjoyed the little sound clip at the beginning of the last two episodes, but we are back with another opening here. So today, Sean and I jumped right in. We talked about the Russell Westbrook-Chris Paul trade. After that, we went up and down Summer League. We talked about a few things going on there with the rookies and whatnot. Talked the Ben Simmons deal. Then we jumped into baseball, talked Yankees and MLB trade deadline. So follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, on Instagram, sorry underscore sports. Check out the website, sorrysports.com. I'll be running a couple of articles following this episode. And if you have anything nice to say or not so nice, shoot us an email, sorry sports at yahoo.com, and enjoy the pod. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. It's sorry to interrupt. Here for another, I guess it's a Tuesday rundown. This is the second week in a row. And uh, more crazy NBA shit. It, this league really just never stops. Tom, what's up, buddy? What's going on, man? Good evening. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Um, yeah, the NBA is crazy. Um, it's taken over football as the year-round sport because we don't hear much about football. Couple trade rumblings here and there, which we don't even really have to talk about. You know, Melvin Gordon's going to get his deal as well as Ezekiel Elliott. So, yeah, you believe so, right? I mean, I'd be crazy if they did. I mean, I, the running back in the NFL is such an overvalued position. If I were the Chargers, more than the Cowboys, if I were the Chargers, I would probably think about not doing it. But they're gonna. So who cares? What are we? Well, you think about? so? I mean, we kept saying last year that Pittsburgh was going to do it for Bell, and that never happened. Um, well, you. Pittsburgh also is in a different situation, though. They have Connor. Yeah, but, again, you can find running backs coming a dime a dozen. Exactly. So that's why that's why, why they look at it and say, well, maybe it won't get done. But either You're way. Right. And to your point, I mean, that guy Jackson came in the last couple of weeks and in the playoffs, and he lit it up. Well, and it's not like James Connor too, was, you know, a first-round draft pick that they – that they had waiting in the wings. They converted him into a pretty nice back. We see that all up and down the line. Yeah, I'm with you. I expect that deal to get done. For Elliott, I think he's much more valuable to the Cowboys even than Dak is, just the way that team's constructed. Yeah, and I just think he's better overall, a much better player than Melvin Gordon, who is a top five, probably a top five running back in his own respect, but I think Ezekiel is the second best running back in the league behind my guy Shake. Your boy Shake. You're the only one that still calls him that, by the way. I, it, it'll stick. It'll stick. I I'm promise. looking forward to it. But anyway, let's, let's get back into, into the NBA. NBA. So, right. last Thursday, five days ago, Russell Westbrook gets traded to the Houston Rockets. I don't think we named this team as one of our possible trades, but... We actually kind of brushed it off because they had been kind of superficially mentioned, but we were like, eh, I can't see that working out. How are they going to get Should've accommodate both of those guys? We thought Miami was the destination, and it seemed like it was too perfect not to happen. But not only did the Thunder acquire or uh, the Rockets acquire Russell Westbrook, which has its own significance, but they were able to offload Chris Paul, that failed experiment, to Oklahoma City. And from Oklahoma City's standpoint, I don't totally get it. Yes, they got the two first-rounders and the, and the pick swaps, but they now had to accumulate a probably even worse contract to trade, well, a I harder think, contract to trade. I think here's how they're thinking. Chris Paul is less money and one less year. And I think a year from now, 
it's easier to trade Chris Paul than it is Russ Westbrook. Maybe his value has dipped no, unbelievably yeah. in the last couple of years. Absolutely, but if you're asking for nothing back for Chris Paul, you, you might be able to get off of him. There's a few teams out there that are point guard desperate that if you give a, if you give them away for a bag of balls, literally just to get him off. You might have cap. to attach one of those draft picks or two that they acquired in the right. Clipper trade and the Heat trade to, to make that happen. And honestly, I think, well, the, the Rockets trade, you mean. And That's I what think, I mean, yeah. I think they're probably willing to do that as they've accumulated, they accumulated six picks from the Clippers and now f- a two pick swaps and two more first-rounders for the Rockets. So I guess the first-round value has completely gone out the window for these NBA GMs when it comes to trading for superstar-like players because you saw the Brooklyn deal kind of made everybody sorry to bring it back up. But I don't it really, happened. I don't really care, especially now you're, on your, you're riding on your high. Um, had guys hold on to those first-rounders a little bit more, but... Again, I think they're they're leaning more back into trading first rounders for these big time guys just because the proven product or the the what if and and these drafts aside from the 2022 draft which is going to be the the illustrious double draft where the number the best high school players and the best one and done college players will be in the same draft. So it's basically like you're getting double the talent. Aside from that, I mean, I guess they really don't value these draft picks as much because you never know. No, and also what it's shown is that these teams, you know, to acquire superstars and also who are in win-now mode, whether it be to clear cap space or to bring in one of these superstars, they're willing to do it all at one cost, you know, whatever whatever cost necessary, right? Because these GMs have to look at it and say, listen, if this doesn't work out, whether it's the Clippers bringing in Paul George and Kawhi or now fired and they're going to be gone. So who cares? Um, Daryl, they're not making those. This is Daryl Morey's kind of last ditch effort to make that team a championship team because they've come up short and they're starting to, you know, how much longer can you ride hard now like this? But let's talk about this from the Rockets standpoint first. And then we'll go into the other layers. Obviously, Chris Paul didn't work there. You and I are both have have said kind of an unpopular decision over the years, but it's becoming a little bit more understood that Chris Paul is an incredibly overvalued and overrated player. I know his skills have diminished, and that's what happens to undersized older point guards who have a lot of miles on them. But I never thought he was nearly as good as people thought. You know, they'd call him the point god and whatnot. The guy's never won any big games. He's alienated a lot of players. We talk about Kyrie Irving and how he's blown up a couple of teams. Just a great stats guy, bottom line. Yeah, Chris Paul has done that everywhere he's been on underachieving teams. Uh, only made the Western Conference Finals once in his entire career. Has been in the Western Conference on some pretty damn good teams. Um, but... They had to blow that experiment up, so they ship him out. And we kind of talked about this last week when we speculated about an inevitable Westbrook trade. He might be the least efficient superstar we've seen, but the bottom of the line is whether you want to criticize his game or not, and there's it's easy to do so, he is still a superstar. I mean, listen, and those man, players don't come around all that often. You're totally right. The guy, first of all, Chris Paul is going to give you 55 to 60 games because there's an inevitable injury coming. Russell Westbrook is going to give you probably 75 to almost the full season. He's also going to give you better defense. He's going to go balls to the wall for every second that he's out there. And 
he still has all the talent. He's only 30 years old, and he just straight up is a much, much, much better player than Chris Paul at this point in his career, head and shoulders. Yeah, absolutely. There's nothing else you could say. And I like this trade for Houston because I think, honestly, for Daryl Morey and the Houston Rockets, the draft picks don't really matter because he's not going to be the one making them, and they're going to be a bad team if those draft picks turn out to be any good at all. And I just think that if this thing works out the right way, that it's not going to be – first of all, James Harden was clearly exhausted, and that – that fun, him dominating the ball, dropping 60, what seems to be every other night, and, and having that streak of, what, like 36-plus point games for, I don't know, what was it, like close to 40 it games? It was close to 40 games. I think it was 39 games of 30-plus points. Clearly, he ran out of gas. Clearly, it, that's not going to work, him being the ball-dominant player. And I think an interesting thing is that, I mean, James Harden is, is an incredible three-point shooter, and... If Westbrook can spread the floor and actually have good shooters like a P.J. Tucker or an Eric Gordon, it's going to be really interesting because could you imagine him penetrating to the basket, drawing defenders, and then James him kicking it out to James Harden with 10 seconds left on the shot clock? That's the best ISO player in the league, being able to either hit a wide-open three or do whatever he wants with the basketball for those 10 seconds. I think, honestly, in my opinion, this experiment is going to work. I think these guys grew up together, and they're going to coexist. And I think that James Harden wants to play a different type of basketball and doesn't want to be that ball-dominant. And I think something you said last pod was really interesting. Russ doesn't own Houston, the team, the city, like he did Oklahoma City as the guy that stayed. So I think they're going to figure out a way to coexist, and it's going to be a really interesting team. Now, do I think they're going to win a championship? We'll talk about that in a little bit. But I think this team is going to be a better team than they were before because Westbrook is just a whole other dynamic to this team. Now, I know the people that argue and the naysayers are going to say, these are the two most ball-dominant players in the history of the league. They've had the ball in their hands Literally, if you look it up, more than any other two players ever. More than Kobe, more than Jordan, more than LeBron, right? But I think that Westbrook adds that extra edge of a guy that you just don't know what the fuck he's going to do. He might blow by you and dunk on you, or he might, I don't know, maybe hit an open shot, or probably not. He's not the best shooter in the world. Or he may drive, draw two defenders, throw a lob to Capella, or kick it out to Harden, who is, again, the best ISO player in the league and can do whatever he wants with you. And the same thing for Westbrook. Maybe when Harden has the ball in his hand and he gets by, instead of shooting a floater in front of two guys, he can dump it off to Westbrook, or he can kick it out to Westbrook, and then Westbrook can create with 10 seconds left on the shot clock. I don't see how this is a downside. You traded a player who was pretty much a negative on both ends, both ends of the floor when it came down to it in the end, for a guy who is a top 12 player in the league. Yeah, I don't think anybody would look at it and say that they got worse. I think the major question is did they get better? And there's I a think couple they got better. There's a couple of ways to look at it and it's all predicated on what just happened in the last couple of weeks across the league, right? So if it wasn't a lot of people believe and you know, take with what take with it what you want, but a couple of years ago before Chris Paul got hurt Houston looked like they were ready to take down the Durant West, the Durant Curry Thompson Warriors, and it just didn't happen. Um, you know, he got hurt. They blew the series lead, and 
history looks at the Warriors winning that year. This past year, they just didn't seem to have that fight. They spent a lot of time complaining about calls that they weren't getting. Um, and especially once Durant went down, it really looked like it was theirs for the taking, and they didn't. You come to find out there was a lot of animosity, even hatred between Chris Paul and James Harden, so that experiment had to had to be blown up, and Daryl Morey had to do everything he could to get him out of there. You upgraded as far as the position. Uh, obviously, Russell Westbrook is a much better player than Chris Paul is. How much better did they get? So, obviously, you talk about the dynamic and the chemistry that those two guys are going to have. The reason I mentioned what Westbrook could be and how interesting it would be to see him in another fit. Now, I kind of compare, I put him in the scenario where he'd be in Miami playing with Butler. Well, now you're going to be playing with Harden. Okay. Westbrook, we started to see signs of a little bit last year where he became a not much more efficient player, but a more efficient player. He was clearly distributing the ball more. He was clearly playing more of a team-style game and allowing Paul George to kind of be a top-three MVP guy really into January when his shoulders just gave out. Then we saw Westbrook have to take over the load again, have him be options A through Z on that team, and it went back to the Westbrook that we've seen over the last few years of a guy who just kind of plays with reckless abandon and on his own isn't good enough to get his team past a first-round series. Now is his chance to go to a place where he does not have to be the guy. And not just from an on-the-court standpoint, but also on the bench and just overall off-the-court guy. That's Harden's team. And apparently, all indications were he wanted to go there. That was his first choice. And Harden very much wanted Westbrook there. I don't know if it was more, I want Paul gone at any at any cost. And I'll take my chance with Russ and try to recapture some magic that we had in our early days in Oklahoma City. Or whether it was just he really did want Westbrook back. But in any event... This is going to be now one of the most interesting storylines of the entire NBA season. Now, I definitely don't think they got worse. I think they got a little bit better, but how much better is that? Well, in my opinion, the Western Conference is wide open. Do I expect the Clippers to be there standing at the end? I do. The Lakers have a lot to say about that. And, of course, you look at Utah and Denver, and those teams are nasty. You've also got Portland. You've got Dallas. You've got some other teams in there that are really good. And on the come up, oh, and don't forget, Golden State still exists. They're bringing in D'Angelo Russell to play with Curry. They still have Draymond. They made some good offseason moves, too. I think the West, for the first time, is vulnerable now. What I mean by that is, no matter how good you think the Clippers and Lakers are going to be, or Denver or Utah, we don't have a Golden State of the last few years. And the so Houston can crack that precipice now. The West is deep. They're going to spend the entire year beating up on each other, which is why you need two guys that can can win you any single basketball game because it's going to be a marathon this year. It's not going to be the Warriors at the top and everybody kind of filing in after like it's been in years past trying to figure out how to beat them. It's super deep this year, and this is the first year since this Warriors dynasty has begun that in the Western Conference you can't just point to the Warriors and say they're going to be the ones in the finals. No, you're 100% right. And you can't just say, all right, here's a clear runner-up. There's The West is so much deeper than the Eastern Conference and has been for a really long time, but especially this year. Yeah, and I think if these two guys look in a mirror, look at each other, and 
understand that they're only getting older. Both of them are historically great players, but they've been called selfish. They've been called too, do- too ball dominant, uh, very inefficient. Um, you know, they're and getting to the point where wrong. their stigmas. No, none they, of those are wrong. They're man, getting to the point where their legacies are going to be tarnished because. Aside from their one trip with KD very early on in their Oklahoma City days, they have not been to a finals as the guy on the team. So as they get older now, it's time. And they've got to look and say, okay, we got to sacrifice our stats. We've got to sacrifice our own individual notoriety and understand that this is actually a chance now to break past the West, get a one seed. Maybe the game seven's in Houston if Kawhi and Paul George take some time off or LeBron and AD take some time off or they can get past Utah and, and Denver. That's huge. That's This is their chance now. You're they've got to right. know that and capture it. And that's why, and, and this can honestly only go two ways. Mediocrity is not going to be what's going to happen. It's either going to be a complete disaster or I think they're going to be really good. Um, I don't know if they're finals worthy again, but I think that, listen, him and him and Westbrook grew up together. I think they're both at the point in their career where they want to win above all above all else. Excuse me. They've both got all the individual awards they need. They've got their gold medal for the Olympics. They've got their MVP trophies. They've got their first team all NBAs. They want to win. And it's not like this is a one-year deal for Westbrook or Harden where they can just be like, all right, like right, I'm fucking done with this. I'm out of here in a year. I'm going to you name the team. They're both there for the next four years. So, and both of those players are pretty. I mean, you could trade Harden, but you're Daryl Morey's not going to do that, and you're not going to get equal value back from him. They're basically both going to be on the Rockets for the foreseeable future. Yeah, this is kind of like a all right. This is a last ditch effort. You guys both know what's at hand. Make make it work under under any cost. All right, so. I was very surprised that Oklahoma City took back Chris Paul. I thought there was going to be a third team involved, probably a Miami or something, where maybe they didn't want to get the Westbrook contract, but they would take the money and the one less year for Chris Paul. That could still happen. I just think that it was – I think that Miami wasn't as interested and there wasn't that many bidders, and they just took the best offer they could get. I think – Two draft picks, they probably looked at it as we got one less year. Paul, it's less money. Maybe we can figure out a way to finesse and trade him to a team that's desperate for a veteran point guard. And I think Miami probably threw an extremely low ball offer at them, and they said no. Well, I, I guess aside from that, what else could there be? Do you see any way in which Chris Paul plays the entire year in Oklahoma City? Maybe as a mentor, I guess, to I Shea do. Gildas? I do. I think me and you and the rest of the sports world were pretty locked in when we said that I don't think Russell Westbrook plays another game for the Thunder. I think there's a lot better of a chance that Chris Paul plays more plays more of a I think there's a better bet that Chris Paul plays on the Thunder this year. A much better bet. Yeah, I, I think too is because now they can look at a couple of things. Obviously come trade deadline maybe an injury comes about or even before the trade deadline and a team looks at their situation and says, Oh shit, we've got to go get our guy and and we'll take a risk on, on Chris Paul. And you know, you can even go into next summer too. Teams emerge, obviously, and see what's going to happen. I just think it all depends on how, if Chris Paul plays nice and how well he plays. 
because but the thing is here is I, I think Chris Paul is actually going to have a lot better of a season than you and I expect, or that at least no, you I'm sure statistically he'll be good. Because one, if if he if he wants to get the fuck out of there, one he's obviously got to play well. He's going to have a massive chip on his shoulder, and he has no leverage. Clearly, there wasn't too much of a trade market out there, and nobody wanted to trade for him. So if he wants to go anywhere else, he's going to have to play well. I think there's, what, two suitors in the league right now for him? I would say Minnesota, and I would say Miami. I think you could put Detroit there, too. I think so as well, but the packages we were talking about for Westbrook are not are way, way, way over the amount that they would give up for a Chris Paul. I think a Chris Paul would probably be like an expiring Jeff Teague and, and maybe a small asset. <clears throat> as far from grace, huh? It's tough, man. It's tough. And I don't I don't even think it's the talent of the player. I just think it's the amount of money and the amount of years attached to him. Well, I think the He's talent hurts, a, too. He's clearly lost ta- a lot. Well, it's, it's the talent. I, I think there's a lot of teams that would like to have a Chris Paul on their team. It's just the fact that the money doesn't match the player. Well, absolutely, and, and and I mean, seldom does it actually do that unless you're talking about the top-of-the-line guys, but I think a couple of things. If he can't coexist with James Harden, he didn't coexist with Blake Griffin, he didn't do well when he was with New Orleans at the well, time. Well, his way out. Yeah, and so now he's got a little bit of a black mark on his resume. In addition, he's got diminishing skill set. He'll put up his points. He'll put up his assists. I'm not worried about that. But clearly defensively, he's lost even more than he already didn't have. He's not going to score prolifically. Give him a little credit. Back in the day, he was an all-NBA first-team defensive player. Yeah, back in his day, 12 years ago. Hasn't been in quite some time. No, you're right. So when you look at the money, you look at just the totality of his of his situation when you look at Chris Paul you don't look at the same kind of guy that's going to come in and be a franchise changing player he's no, going to be a guy all. that you would might want to add to a young team or a team that might just need a shake up at the point guard position that's why i think out of all these teams i think detroit could be the most interesting and here's why detroit is a team that made the 8 seed last year They've already gone all in with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond. They have a couple of nice pieces. They brought in a Derrick Rose who had a little resurgence there in Minnesota last year on a two-year deal, but I certainly don't think that you look at Derrick Rose and say, oh, we've got our point guard. We're not eligible. I know it didn't work with Blake Griffin the first time in L.A., but now they're both in a different situation. And the Eastern Conference, we're going to talk about wide open. At Eastern Conference is wide open. I think you've one, got Toronto taking a step down. I don't think you. I don't think that trade would ever happen, just because I think Chris Paul and Blake Griffin legitimately hate each other. I think it'd be hilarious. I, I, I if you're the GM of Detroit, I, I think you take. I think you take a look at it. Oh, you take a look at it for sure. But I think Blake Griffin literally kicks down the door and says, "Get the fuck out of Too here." Too bad he's on a he's on a deal. He, he's that's not how he's it not going to go anywhere. That's not how it works in the NBA, though. If you were running a team, maybe, or if I was running a team, maybe. But that's not how it works. They pander to their superstars. I think that you have a much better chance of seeing him in Minnesota. Eh, 
I don't even know about that, though, because are they going to look and say, we're so much better now with Chris Paul that it's worth giving up so-and-so? I don't think that they're a playoff team even with them, well, the way how deep the Western Conference my, is. That's my entire point, is giving up so-and-so. I don't think they'd have to give up really much of anything. You're giving up Jeff Teague, who you want to get rid of anyways, who's an expiring contract, and... I don't know, maybe somebody else that you're looking to get rid of, a, a Gorgie Dang or whatever his name is. That's that's another guy. That's a I think it's a one or a two year deal that you're just looking to get off of. The Thunder are clearly just trying to scoop up deals right now that are short and, and big to help out other teams. So I I just don't think. I mean, listen, if the Pistons things happen, I, I will say you were right. I see no chance in hell that I'm rooting for it. Don't get me wrong. I think it would be hilarious to have those two together because they despise each other. Um, but I, I just don't think NBA panders way too much to their stars. And I just think that it would never, ever, ever happen. So then the last option is it's Miami. Yeah. Circling back to where this all began. Miami's not giving up clearly if they weren't willing up to willing to give up a lot for Russell Westbrook. I mean the market's totally different, but they're not going to be willing to go they're not going to budge on But to your point, there. it might not take much to get No, them. not at all. That's what I'm saying. So I now think, the deal could be different. I don't think they're throwing in like a, a a talented young player like a Justice Winslow. I think that they're giving up Goran Goran Dragic, Dragic Kelly because Olenek. he's an expiring and maybe trying to get off of a Kelly Olynyk deal. It's not much more than that. Yeah, and they which and, again you said it's sad to talk about his right. value, but this is the reality of the situation. I still think under your head, is he playing on Oklahoma City's roster come opening night? Oh, you you pulled the gun out again? Well, actually, that's yeah. your trick. You've you been doing the that gun to away me. from me. And yeah. Hmm. What was the question again? Is he playing? At is he the playing? End of the eight, does he play one minute? Is he on Oklahoma City's roster opening night? I think so. I really do. I I just think that Oklahoma City is going to try and get a better deal, and then they're going to end up giving in closer to the trade deadline. Okay, I'm going to say no. You don't think so? I, I think okay. it's just this feels just like it did with when Daryl Morey came out and said we're not trading Chris Paul. I think Oklahoma City and Sam Presti knows they're in full rebuild mode and you can't be half pregnant in this league. You want to give Shea Gildas Alexander every opportunity to run the show. I don't see how you're giving up Dennis Schroeder. Nobody wants that deal. So you're already stuck with another point guard nobody wants. I think you're going to have to do everything you can. And even if that means attaching one of those first-round picks that you now have a plethora of, then so be it. But I, I don't see a way in which you can... You can have him on that team. It just doesn't make any sense. So I wanted to talk about this. Oklahoma City, and I just wrote an article on Westbrook's tenure there. That's going up on sorrysports.com. There it is. Um, this Thunder run, and we call it a run. I mean, it never resorted in a championship and only one finals appearance. But they were one of the most relevant teams in the league for the last nine years. Sam Presti, as they were getting out of Seattle, drafted three successive MVPs in consecutive years with Durant, Westbrook, and Harden. And it's pretty amazing when you look back on the history of the league in the last 10 years and and all the ripple effects that came from them not winning and certain decisions that, that Presti made... I, I, I want to. I, I think you could point to one decision. Well, no, 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 no. Because all. then you know it's it's also bringing in different supporting cast members. But 
the one obviously is trading Harden. So they they're a first. They go to their finals. They kind of run through the West that year. They upset the Lakers. They upset the Spurs, and they kind of felt like they arrived a year too early. Um, you know, those were three tremendous players, and really four if you count Abaka. But Abaka hadn't yet turned into the player and the versatile player that we know now. But the talent was unbelievable on that team. They go to the finals. They lose in five to Miami. Miami, you know, that was their first championship with the big three, and no one was beating them that year. But you, at least I remember, I was like, this is going to be the team in the West for the next. We now have the team that's going to supersede the Lakers, and and this team's going to do serious damage. And after they lose the finals that summer, they end up trading Harden because they couldn't work out a contract extension. They decided to hitch their wagon to Durant, Westbrook, and, and Ibaka. I don't think Presti ever imagined that Harden was going to turn into the player that he did, but nonetheless, he obviously turned into one of the league's best. It's pretty crazy when you think about that because they then lose to the Spurs in successive years. Actually, the Grizzlies the first year, the Spurs the next. And then you have that 2016 team that just seemed so poised to to get it done. Durant, Westbrook, it was Durant's MVP year. You know, this team is ready to go, right? Um they're they're up against the 72 or 73 win Warrior team, but the only trouble that Warrior team had had that year was really with Oklahoma City. And they take a three games to one lead by just bludgeoning the Warriors in games 3 and 4 in a raucous Oklahoma City. And the wheels fall off. We know what happened after that. But I think it's just absolutely amazing to think about what could have been. Forget just the Harden stuff. But if Oklahoma City ended up winning that series against Golden State, I think the entire entirety of what we've known the NBA to be in the last few years changes, don't you? Absolutely. Durant stays they, because I'm saying that they probably beat the Cleveland Cavaliers that year. I mean, going back to the Harden thing, I think those are two of the bigger NBA what-ifs or whatever of the last 20-plus years. There's a few of them, but obviously I think the Harden trade is the biggest since 2000. That's just Yeah, what, crazy what he think. turned into, yeah. Well, just the talent and trading him for basically what? Steven Adams. Well, remember, he was the sixth man of the year on that finals team that was, Oklahoma City finals team he was ready to break out uh, and I think that team would have been incredible had you kept all three of them together and maybe Westbrook's career is different maybe he's not just an ISO Joe kind of player um and and he becomes more efficient at shooting the three and all this other stuff that's a, another huge what if I'm sure they probably rip off maybe two to three titles they're probably battling the heat then if you, you move forward, obviously then Kevin a bunch of things don't happen. But moving forward, Kevin Durant obviously doesn't go to the Warriors. He probably doesn't end up on the Brooklyn Nets now. And the Warriors don't have as much of a dynasty as they do now either. So there's a million what-ifs. Looking at it from a singular thing of Westbrook's career, he's a great singular talent in Oklahoma <clears throat> in Oklahoma City. Obviously. Getting choked up thinking about this? Yeah, man. This is a big in memoriam here. Um, he was the one that stayed. He did, I mean, aside from the fact that on the floor he just seems like kind of a maniac, he did everything he could to win a title. 
that's a guy who I will never say didn't play hard. No. Um, can get a little lazy on defense, but he was definitely giving it all his all at all the time. And he played averaging, aside from I think a year he had a major injury back when Durant was still on the team, seemed to play like 72 to 75 games a year. So this guy is not sitting out a, sing- a single game. He is a absolutely great talent. And, you know, he kind of felt indebted to Oklahoma City. And I think that organization felt indebted to him. And I think that once Durant left, you know, they made their, they they bring in an Oladipo. And again, I don't, Oladipo wasn't quite the kind of player that he turned into um, later on in Indiana. Um Steven Adams is a really nice player. Abaka is a nice player, but that team wasn't ready to take down the Warriors, obviously, especially once Durant joined them. And then you make the effort to bring in a Paul George, and and Paul George not only plays the one year, but he elects to stay. And I think that was such a huge thing for Westbrook because at that point, let's be honest, the stigma was out there, right? I mean, look how much better Oladipo got once he went to Indiana. Durant, all the whispers were out there, and some of them weren't even whispers, that he just hated playing with Westbrook and wanted to go play basketball somewhere fun, somewhere where he could enjoy playing basketball the way he believed basketball was meant to be played, a.k.a. not this ISO-style Westbrook inefficient game. So when Paul George elected to stay, when almost everyone believed he was going to L.A., I think that was a huge thing for Westbrook's I don't know, reputation, saying that he was going to stay and he loved playing with Russ and and that was a really, really good situation and it looked like they were ready to to kind of take that next step. And then, of course, PG3 gets hurt and now it, it was just a team that was kind of fading fast and, and the writing was on the wall that they've missed their, they missed their chance through a different, a bunch of different renditions of that team. So now they're in full rebuild. I'm going to look back on this on this run that Oklahoma City had first with all four of those guys and then systematically down to just Westbrook and, and bringing um, Paul George along. I'm going to look back and say this was one of the most fun teams. They were an upstart organization moving from Seattle to Oklahoma City where you don't think you're going to have much of a fan base. That was a premier team in the league for the last nine years. And clearly that fan base loves them and, and that organization loves that city and they're going to be poised for whenever their next guys, maybe Shea Gildas, Alexander, and a, and a bunch of these draft picks hit and they they can turn into another dynasty or a, a relevant team for the next few years. But this was this was one of the most fun runs in, in a while. For a non-championship team, they were they were pretty pretty fun. I'll say they were fun. Um, they weren't really serious once Durant left. I never really took them as serious. Well, especially because he went to Golden State. Yeah, of course. And it was a lot of a fun run. Westbrook is a future Hall of Famer, in my opinion, for this next chapter of his career. Moving on from Oklahoma City for the team and for him, nothing better could have happened. Just because he's not the man anymore, they don't expect him to. He doesn't have the franchise on his back. All those cliches, um, I think it will be great for his career. I do too. I, I think it's if it doesn't happen, then we can look back retrospectively and say he was just too much of a 
me guy and and I have to take control and you know some of the best players of all time have been guys who knew how to take a back seat when the time came so absolutely even Jordan took a back seat to Pippen every once in a while every once in a while all right so let's move on to some NBA summer league Zion, I think, tweaked his knee in the first game. And I don't know yeah, if we saw he banged him knees with another guy, and he didn't play. He said he was fine. They held him out of this. Honestly, I really hope that this doesn't become a thing. I was looking forward to watching Zion play a little bit more, and I know the summer league doesn't matter, but my question is, is for this kind, this guy, and just the way the league is looking, like. When is it going to matter? Like, can't you see the Pelicans being like, ah, it's the first week of the season. We're not going to play them. I hope like, not. Stuff like that. I like, hope not. I, I hope not either, but. Because this team's This is the most team. valuable asset a team has drafted since Anthony Davis. And I could just, the way that load management is going, I know we hate that term, but it is something that's obviously going on. They just be like, oh, this game doesn't matter. We're not playing them. And he's a guy that just never really hits that full potential because they're just babying him and coddling him like crazy. Now, there was there's a lot of talk that he's fat and he's out of shape. Clearly, he's not fat. He's he's a... No, he's just a monster. He's a monster. I'd like to see him drop a couple pounds. Just get a little more... Just get a little more shredded. You're not playing middle linebacker here. Just cut down a little bit. You're, it's, a, it's a heavy running sport, except for soccer, obviously. I think it involves the most running. Um... I'd just like to see him get a little bit more in game shape. I think he should work on that and work on his jump shot. And I think he's going to have a great career. I'm, I really don't take too much into summer league. LeBron played very sparingly back in Boston in his summer league back in, uh, I think it was 2003, 2004. Yeah. So I, I don't really take too much stock in that. Of course, I would have liked to see him play more, maybe a couple more highlight dunks and pin a couple guys to the backboard. But I don't really worry about that. I totally understand why they're babying him in the summer league. I mean, come on, this is your entire franchise here. What do you think of your boy R.J. Barrett's performance? Had a couple rough games and then turned it on in the next few. Up and down, but the kid's 18, 19 years old. You expect that. The guys who play really well in summer league are usually the vets. When I say vets, I mean the older college guys. The guys who are coming off after, after their sophomore year, junior year, those guys, because their fundamentals are better, they're just smarter players, and they're grown men. They're the ones who always shine in the summer league. Okay. Pretty much it. I, I was happy with it. I liked watching him shoot. He hit like eight threes in a game or something like that. Really fun to watch. Kevin Knox is doing a little bit better of a job playmaking. I was happy to see that. Trier's still scoring the ball like I like to see. And Mitchell Robinson seems to know, aside from blocking a shot and dunking a little bit more of where he should be, on a basketball court during certain times, position, positioning himself for offensive rebounds, um, kind of knowing how to switch on pick and rolls when he's on defense, knowing how to run a pick and roll a little bit more on offense. I liked all the things I saw for a team that I just want to, just want to kill. <laughs> the owner. <laughs> the owner. Yeah, you don't want to. You don't want to take out some of those players. They, no, they not at nice all. Players are assets. They didn't do anything wrong. All right, so the last bit of NBA that we got to get into, of course, because the season never ends. Ben Simmons signs the Max with Philadelphia. Now, I think we saw this coming, and there's a couple of things I want to touch on with this. First of all, what were your reactions? You didn't have to do it. Why'd you do it? Jacob DeGrom kind of thing. I mean, if I were Ben, if I were, if I were um, Elton Brand, who's from around here, go Peekskill, um... I would just go up to him and be like, here is a, what was the extension? 
It well, it was the five year super max. Yeah. Here's a what was it? One hundred and something million. One seventy. Here's a here's a five year one hundred and seventy million dollar extension. If you can go around and do and hit a three from every single spot on the floor in a row, you can sign it. That's How about to shoot here. one. Yeah. Can well, he hit the rim? Practice. I, I I would be like, how about this? If you shoot, if you shoot thirty threes this year, I don't care what percentage. If you shoot thirty threes this year, you can sign this extension. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this was a deal that had to have been done if you're Philadelphia. For what? He was locked in for another like two years. Because this is the area you're Three seeing, years. dude. There's Free agency is starting two years before these guys even hit free agency. I get that, but I mean, again, the guy has not developed at Think all. about it this way. Now, okay? you're, now you're, well, you could still trade him. That's the thing. He's a young No asset. contract is untradeable. So it's kind of like... It's a moot point because you sign him in in a year or two. If you're unhappy with him or he's unhappy with you, clearly you can trade him. Now listen, this is gonna. My opinion is gonna come. This is the most expensive team ever, you know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is this is coming from a guy who's not a big Ben Simmons fan. But I'm gonna defend this move and I'm gonna tell you why. Philadelphia, through all of their hashtag trust the process bullshit drafted really only two good players that turned out to be anything. And the jury's still out on both of them, and that's Simmons and Embiid. Now, Embiid, you know my stance how a big man can never be the best player on a championship team. They have an older Horford. They have Tobias Harris, who's a really nice wing player, can play the four. But Embiid, there's a lot of questions about him, man. I mean, like, basically that entire first series against the Nets. It None was... about talent, though, man. None about talent. It's just all about well, that, staying healthy and staying in well, shape. For, I mean, his kind, of, his kind of game, again, is an antiquated style as far as being the premier player on a team. So I, I would like to see him get better conditioned. This is Embiid I'm talking about. Well, of course. Has to get better conditioned. And also when you're playing at that size and he's had an injury history with his back and his knees, which are neither things that you want to hear about about a big guy. I think that even though we've talked about this, the city of Philadelphia, the fan base, and Embiid are kind of intertwined. That's their kind of guy. Simmons seems a little more passive. But for... All of it, if Simmons just decides that that what I believe this extension shows is exactly kind of your scenario that you painted there with Elton Brand. And I think he went in and said, here's the deal. I need you to try. Need you to care. Need you to try to shoot threes and and, and even just become a little bit of a better shooter. Become somewhat of a threat. Do what Giannis did. Giannis had a completely non-existent jump shot for the first couple years of his career and really didn't even try. And as explosive and dynamic athletically as he was, you could play him outside the free throw line and he was not even remotely a threat. But that guy's work ethic got him to where he is. Is he a great shooter? No, but at least you have to consider him as somewhat of an option as a shot. I think that's all Philadelphia is asking for Simmons to do. And I think that this deal was done with the mindset of, okay, You've really only played a couple full years in this league. We're banking on the fact that this is something you're going to try to get better at and master and add to your game. A point guard, no matter how oddly skilled he is, 
is still a position that you prioritize over center. And if he can just get a little bit better, this was a deal you had to have made. Because if you let him go and you never win a championship with him and your whole trust the process thing resorted in a Joel Embiid who's a guy who plays a position that is not going to be the reason you win a championship and then you bring in a bunch of other guys and your other your other number one pick never turns out to be the guy you believed and you had to tri- you either had to trade him or he goes and leaves for somewhere else. You don't get up from that, man. You just don't. So I think they looked at this from a couple different angles and said it's worth the risk. Obviously, in a couple years, if he's still playing the way he is now, he's an asset to somebody. We'll see. But clearly, they're going to give this Embiid Simmons. They're the nucleus of this team with Horford and um, Tobias and Harris. Tobias Harris as as the as the key supporting cast. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Now with the new NBA, I think. It's not a deal you had to do, of course, but why not? You can trade him in a few years if you have to. All right, so let's move on to some Major League Baseball. So the Yankees are um, they're playing pretty well. Yeah, out of the what break so far, they're 2-2. Two and two. They're playing right now against Tampa. They're down 3-2 in the eighth. Last night lost a really tough one. Travis Darno turned into Lou Gehrig. Um, cool story for him. I mean, he was a Mets cast-off who a lot of players are, and it seems like he's found a home in Tampa. I mean, we kind of talked last week, right, about how, like, stylistically teams are different. I mean, the Mets who do everything wrong and the Rays who do everything right. It was no no accident that a guy whose career seemed to be over goes over there and plays well. Nice story for him. Tough loss for the Yanks. Those games are going to happen, as devastating as it was at the time. Um, their starting pitching actually out of the break has been pretty good, but they need another starter. Uh, we saw Marcus Stroman pitch against them. On Sunday, he looked really freaking good. Gave up a two-run single to Urshela. Another run mixed in there on a wild pitch, but his stuff was really, really good. And, uh, you know, that Blue Jay team, I'm sure, is going to trade him because there's a lot of other teams right now. We're speculating about all these pitchers. If you look at the standings, man, a lot of these teams are not out of it. And without that August 31st now non-waiver deadline, or waiver deadline, rather, you're not going to have the luxury of having more time to decide on the fate of your team. You're going to have to do it quick, fast, and in a hurry, meaning the next 15 days. So if some of those teams decide to hold on to their assets, a Trevor Bauer, a Madison Bumgarner, even a Zach Wheeler, a Noah Syndergaard, if you're the Mets, okay. So now Marcus Stroman becomes the guy. And yep, teams are going to be a hefty price. If yeah, vying for his services, and of of course Toronto holds the bargaining chips there as far as how much they want to give up and how much they need in return. Um, I look up and down this Yankee team. Some of the guys aren't hitting. They're in slumps. Voit looks bad. Sanchez looks bad. Encarnacion's turning it on right now. Judge doesn't look too great. Obviously, this is a team in all. No matter how great teams are, we saw it with Boston last year, even go through a couple rough patches. They won 108 games. I'm not worried about this team. Uh, I do think another starter has to come. I want to just see who is who's it going to be. I'm not worried about this team except for the starting staff. That's it. Are you worried more about health concerns or just being able to perform all the way through or health. kind of both? Health. A little bit of performance, but it's much more focused on health. Paxson's had issues throughout his entire career, not just in the recency with the Yankees, but even on, on uh, Seattle. He was always on and off the IL. 
CC obviously you don't you can't really rely on him. You don't know if he's going to be able to hold up. Tanaka, has he had his annual DL stint yet or no? No. IL? Okay, so we know that's coming. You got to pencil that in. I'm I'm throwing away Severino for this year. In my mind, he's already he's already not pitching this year. Whatever I get, whatever the Yankees can drag out of him, even if he's coming out of the bullpen in kind of a Carlos Martinez last year situation for um for the Cardinals, whatever it is is a bonus because in my opinion he's done for the year. Um, and then Hap is just steady Eddie. That's pretty much all I can rely on from a health perspective. Yeah, I mean, and Herman's back and he's pitching. You know, very, very well, and I don't think that they're as worried about the injury limit or the uh, innings limit rather now because he spent a month on the DL, so yeah, or the IL now. So I'm not, I'm very interested to see. I mean, they've pitched well out of the gate. I mean, they've pitched well against a Toronto team that doesn't hit all that much. They've pitched well against a Tampa team that is much known, much more known for their pitching as opposed to just bludgeoning teams offensively. We're gonna find out in the next couple weeks as they're about to go. They're about to host Colorado, who crushes the ball. They're about to go to Minnesota and Boston, two teams that can hit like crazy. So we'll see, man. that's all before the deadline comes in. So we're going to see what these guys do. I'd like to see them get a Stroman and then maybe a Lance Lynn type of Lance last Lynn year. ain't coming. Not Lance Lynn. But oh, a, a, a similar of kind of guy Lynn. to that. Yeah. yeah. I don't want to see them push all their chips to the middle. Maybe of the like table a Tanner Roark from Cincinnati. Yeah, not, nobody from like nobody like a, a Mike Miner is going to cost you a lot. Well, uh, because Texas, Texas is, is very in much in in the race now for the wild card. They're not going to give up anybody. Yeah, I, I would like somebody of. I don't want to say a lesser elk and disrespect people out there, but I would like somebody that can eat up innings, like a Lance Lynn of last year. I don't know who that is this year. You said a Tanner Roark. But yeah, somebody, I mean, you're going to, I mean, we just saw great. Boston, we saw Boston acquire Andrew Kashner. Doesn't scare me. We saw, uh, Oakland acquire Homer Bailey. That was interesting. But again, but those are the kind of guys you're talking about that are, that are available. They're fifth starters ish, you know, like I always look at it from the perspective of this. When, when you're a team that has starting pitchers who are healthy it's really about are you making an upgrade? Now, is a Stroman an upgrade over some of the options right now or even to make sure they get a six-man rotate? Absolutely. Obviously, so probably is Bumgarner. Obviously, if you're looking at the Mets pitchers, all up and down the line, you know, Robbie Ray, Zach Granke. But I don't, I'm not ready to part with any pitchers that I look at getting and say, okay, are they better than internal options that I don't have to give up anything for? You know, like if I bring up if I bring up Loizaga off the IL, is do I look at a Tanner Roark and say, "Yep, he's so much better"? Not really. No, you're right. Uh, and so if I'm making, I it just up, wanted it more as an insurance policy because yeah. I just went up and down the list of guys that inevitably. No, of hurt. course, but you know, as the seasons go on, you know, Tanaka has not been hurt. Paxton is back and. I think more now you're going to be looking, if we can't make an immediate upgrade, we're going to do a couple of things. Knowing how evolutionary Cashman is with some of these decisions that he makes, they're either going to go out and target another bullpen piece, or they're going to call up this David Garcia kid who made his first start in AAA last night, pitched six innings, gave up three runs, struck out six, walked one. They're going to call him up and just, you know, just add more lags onto the fire as far as that bullpen is concerned. Severino comes back, give us three innings. Herman, you're you're going to pitch out of the pen. Every starter from here on out, give us four to five innings. That's all we need from you because every night we have 
four guys who are ready to go. And that could just be the way they look at it because as much as I think they'd love to go get a legitimate starter, and all this could change. I mean, we could get off the air tonight and and now in trade deadline season, something could happen. But just knowing this regime, they are not going to force something that isn't there. And if a team is not going to give up the kind of pitcher that they believe is a difference maker, I think Cashman's going to find a lot of other ways to improve this pitching staff. And I, I, I think that that's going to be the way that they go. We've seen a lot of different, I mean, look at what Boston's going to do. They bring in a Cashner because he's better than like a Hector Velasquez or Brian Johnson. Is he, is he a great pitcher? No, but he's a guy that stabilizes your rotation. And the reason he's able to come in is because they're moving last year's top uh, trade ace, Nathan Avaldi, to their closer role because they don't want to force him onto too many innings after what they asked from him last year and after the move. injuries he's had this year. And they don't really have a closer, and they're going to throw him out there. I can't tell you that I hate it. No, but that's the way that they're looking at They say there is no starter that we can go acquire who – we have the pieces to to get that's going to make a huge difference. We don't want to put all this strain on Evaldi because we could lose him for the rest of the season. So we're going to ask him to be our closer, and we'll go get an Andrew Kashner. And that's a pretty new way of thinking kind of move, you know, and, and that could I help like them. I mean, we saw what they did last year. I mean, they had Chris Hale pitching out of the bullpen in certain games and Evaldi pitching out of the bullpen in certain games. I'm not surprised that, Teams are now looking to do that. I mean, the Yankees already have a Shane Green who's a multi-inning guy. You know Herman's going to go to the pen. He's a multi-inning guy. If Severino comes back and he's not ready to go up to 100 pitches, he now becomes a three- or four-inning guy. Uh, then you bring in a backup Batances if he actually does come back. I mean, of course, you then you have Canely and Adovino and Britton and Chapman. It's That could just be the way they go and say, CeCe, Tanaka, Hap, Paxton, just give us – Four innings to five innings every freaking start. And we'll figure the rest out from there. When you said Shane Green, did you mean Chad? I said Chad Green, didn't I? No, you said Shane. I said Shane Green. Ah, name. You got a name wrong. Well, maybe he comes into New York. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice no, no, try, no. I, I nice meant Chad Green. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. All right. So, you like the Homer Bailey deal for the A's. They're very much in it. Yeah, again, I think that's a guy that is going to bring stability to that team. And here the A's go again on the second half, a little bit of a run here, you know? And that's a guy that makes you better. You got to do it. Absolutely. So the last thing we'll talk about is the Angels. They uh, have a little memorial for Tyler Skaggs, and they throw a combined no-hitter. Pretty cool. That was freaking awesome. That was awesome. I watched – that was after the Yankee game, and MLB Tonight was showing that. And, you know, his mom comes out, throws out the first pitch. Everybody on the team's wearing number 45. Of course, Trout hits a home run in his first at bat because he's the best. And they throw the combined no-hitter. Now, here's something eerie because, of course, this can only happen in baseball. It's just it's odd how this shit comes up. So Skaggs, he was going to be 28 on 7-13. By the time the game was over... It was July 13th. The last time that a combined no-hitter was thrown in the state of California was on 7-13-91 when Tyler Skaggs was born. Wow. Now, 
that's not even grasping for straws. That's just complete circumstance. And you hear all about this shit in, in baseball lore and how does stuff like this continue to come up. That's really cool. If you if that doesn't give you a freaking just a, a pause for to take a look back and reflect on stuff, I don't know what does. Pretty awesome. Yeah, that is that is some cool stuff. Uh, good job by the Angels. Um, that about wraps it up for us. Yeah. Slow summer, but we may have some sh- sorry shorts coming out soon just to uh, keep you guys interested. It is the dog days officially of summer. It is. The we got uh, break has passed. NFL camp start up in about two weeks. Yes. I think NBA off season. I, I I could be wrong. I could I could get right off the air right now and something crazy could happen. But I think aside from probably possibly a Chris Paul move happening, I think we're pretty much done. What do you think? Yeah, I think Chris Paul's going to be the else? last domino that goes. Um, I am looking forward to talking about Is Giannis NFL. happy? Is he okay? Who's that? Is Giannis happy? Does he want to get traded? Maybe <laughs> Zion gets traded. Well, he said don't call him MVP anymore. He said he really wants to... He doesn't want to make people believe that this is his cap. He said he's about 60% of the player he could be. So. Love it. Oh, I love it too. How could you not love Giannis? He's, he's awesome. Great guy. But I am looking forward to NFL training camp starting up. Um, football's always exciting. I know Have college, you been talking to your boy, Mike? College football starts in about a month plus. I know just you're geared up, up for that. Just got to hit up for Mike Phillips. We will be uh, featured guests on his football preview. Kind of fired oh, up cool. about that. Actually, you know what the last thing I want to ask you? Did you watch by any chance the Djokovic Federer match the other day? No. Oh, dude. Sorry, dude. I'm not a big tennis guy. Not, oh no, if that's it's on okay. ESPN, I will watch. I, I, this is how it is with tennis for me. I, it's not appointment television. Okay. I, I don't go out of my way to watch it, but when it's on, I'm locked in. Yeah. So it's at the great. final, and that's how I felt. Right. It was, it was the finals of Wimbledon, and I saw the score. I was like, oh my God, we're already in a classic. And I watched the last like 45 minutes of tennis, that. Tennis is like soccer. They need to figure it out. Soccer, just stop the clock. And tennis, fix the scoring. Well, I mean, they had a, they went all the way. They played every set imaginable to a tiebreaker. And Federer actually had it won. He was up 40 love on Djokovic. Djokovic comes all the way back, and I think it was the ninth set. Is it, hard, is it really that hard to just not call it 4 nothing? Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. All right. Well, we know what it means. We're dumb Americans. Simplify. And it. actually, that would be three nothing. But true. <laughs> um, but it was awesome. I mean, I think just as sports fans, right? Like, you do get locked in. I mean, neither of us are avid golf fans, but when Tiger's winning on a Sunday and a mat, like we're watching that, and that's how I felt watching that tennis match the other day. I was, I, I wasn't keyed into being like, all right, it's ten o'clock. I gotta watch this shit. But as the match was going, I'm I, I'm sitting there. I'm like I'm watching one of the best sporting events that's gonna be all year, uh, between two guys that are kind of the best to ever do it in that sport. And the one nice thing about tennis is it's an individual sport, so you really get to see guys just playing a certain sport to the highest level on their own without teammates fucking up or whatever. It's really all on them, and the endurance that goes into it. It was fucking awesome. Yeah, go tennis. It was cool, dude. Don't don't be a dick. It was cool. It, it's cool to see uh, Djokovic back on top. So we will be back soon. Maybe a short, sorry short coming your way. We'll definitely be back next week with a um, another Monday rundown. And uh, on whatever check out, day it'll be. Yeah, whatever day it'll be. Monday rundown on a Tuesday this week. Check out the website sorrysports.com. I'm running two articles within the next few minutes. A Mike Phillips and a Sean Rowe. That's right. Everybody enjoy your night. Take care.